Shalom mishpacha. Shalom, family. Mishpacha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the mishpacha, the family with the Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people. We're the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile finally come down to form one new humanity, one new man. Getting ready, mishpacha, to blow the grandest shofar, or the grandest trumpet in Zion. We want everyone, everywhere, to hear the good news. We want everyone, everywhere, to be red hot for the Messiah. Well, my guest is red hot for the Messiah. If he had only done what I see in his background, I'd be interested in interviewing him. Uh, But he's had an encounter, a heavenly experience, that is going to revolutionize your walk with the Lord. His name, Carlos Sarmiento. And uh, Carlos... Uh, you've had the privilege of uh, working in ministry uh, with Benny Hinn. Uh, Just between you and me uh, and whoever's listening to us, uh, what is the most amazing miracle you saw in Benny Hinn's ministry? Well, I mean, there's there's many to uh, consider, but I would say several of the miracles of uh, people that were diagnosed with, you know, the worst stage of cancer— giving up to, 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 uh, to death, and then all of a sudden to see right before your eyes that the, their color of their skin is changing and life is coming back to them and pain leaving and to see that miracle take place in front of you um, to me is really uh, uh, impacting. And I would say the miracles of cancer and the miracles of people that were paralyzed uh, in, uh, in wheelchairs for many, many years and to see them actually come out of wheelchairs are miracles that you just cannot deny. Now, I have seen, I, I try to figure things out, and I, I should know by now after all these years, you can't figure things out. But I've heard a lot of people that receive miracles, I hear them say a comment such as, I knew if I would come here, I'd get healed. And now I know why they got healed. But um, have you seen people that were just dragged there and they got healed, not even having any faith? You know, from what I've seen, I've seen God operate and heal two ways. Number one, he heals because of people's faith. And usually that's sons of God, daughters of God that come because of their faith. And then number two, I've seen miracles where the Lord would heal someone that had no faith at all, and out of his mercy, he would heal them. And when we look into that, uh, many of those people that were healed miraculously with no faith were usually unbelievers. And they were assigned to that individual of the mercy of God to bring them to faith. And you would see many people accept Christ because of that miracle. So, yes, we've seen both. Well, uh, I can see where God trained you step by step for what you're doing today. Uh, But uh, there was a key prophecy that got you headed in the right direction. Uh, And it was uh, Kim Clement prophesied over you. Tell me about that. Well, the, the prophetic word that came through Kim Clement was I was at a, um, at a revival service or a group of uh, conference here in the Central Florida area, and uh, someone had told me that Prophet Kim Clement would be there, so I came, and pretty much in a nutshell, he had prophesied that there was somebody here in the service that was somehow connected to Indiana. And through a process of elimination, he said, no, it's not you, it's not you. When he finally looked at me, he says, it must be you. So I raised my hand up, and he said to me, young man, I want you to take four large steps towards this platform. And he counted them, one, two, three, four. And at the end of the fourth step, he said to me, now stop. And he prophesied, thus saith the Lord, the next step that you're about to take into ministry 
will be the biggest and the largest step you will ever take. This step will eventually lead you to, the, to, to operate at a high level of the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit where it will flow out of you like water. So that's, that, put, that launched me into a different phase of ministry that we're currently beginning to operate in right now. But you, between the Word and, and the total manifestation, uh, there's something that goes on. Would you say that that prophetic Word spurred you to push harder into things of the Spirit? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, to me, it's kind of like what, what Paul told Timothy. He says, meditate on these things. Study these things that your progress may become evident to all. And I think that's one of the major keys with many people uh, who have the potential and the gift to operate in the anointing of the Holy Spirit or at a high level. Sometimes we take it for granted, but I believe that with, my, with me personally, that pushed me, even though I've been ex- I had been exposed to the supernatural ministry, but that pushed me to a higher level to believe God, to contend. That's, a, that's the word, is to contend for God to operate and to work through you. And so through that prophetic word, there's no question that definitely uh, it kind of catapulted me to want to see those things freshly operate in my life and to a higher level. So I, I hear a lot of people uh, say, my hunger for more of God uh, just got beyond uh, what I could be have satisfied. Was that going on with you? Yes, it, there's no question. With, you know, the, the, encounter that I had, the encounter that I had with the Lord kind of brought me back to uh, my first love. And, you know, and I think, I think the danger with ministry is that we enjoy ministry so much and we get hungry for the things of God and for the ministry of God versus God himself as being the main ministry. And so what happened to me, what I begin to find out is the Lord is bringing me back to my main hunger, which is to encounter him intimately. And then from that hunger and that zeal, the Lord will be able to birth everything else that he wants to manifest in such a way that really all the glory and all the honor would be going to him. Okay, I'm taking you to May 8th, 2005. You're sleeping. It's about 4 a.m. in the morning. What happened? Well, I was awakened in the middle, uh, like you said, at 4 a.m. in the morning, and uh, the first thing that I saw was I saw myself suspended over my bed, and I could see my physical body laying there, my wife laying beside me, and I was definitely confused. I didn't know what was going on. And then all of a sudden, I felt the awareness that this angel was actually holding me. I felt like I was like I was cradled, sitting in between these two massive, strong arms. And But once I, I became aware of that, instantly we began to rise. I remember going through the roof of the house. Thoughts were going through my mind. I must have died. I actually prayed a prayer for my wife and my five children that God would comfort them. And then in an instant, the moment I prayed that, my, all, all earthly affections left me. That my, the thought for my wife and my children were completely gone. And I, the only way I can explain it, I was flooded with this unusual joy because somehow my inner man, I understood that I was about to go see Jesus. I remember the angel rising and going through the clouds and finally going through the atmosphere. And, and then the next thing I know, I'm, I'm fa- I find myself in this, big open kind of a room. I didn't see any walls. I didn't see any buildings. I was just in this big open expanse of a place. And in the natural, I'm colorblind. But I could see these incredible colors 
They were all before me. It almost it, it reminded me of a, a, like the weather map, you know, when the, you can see the jet stream and the, 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 the air flowing and moving. These colors were actually breathing. Back then, I had no idea what that meant, and I have a little, little bit more understanding of what that means now. But anyway, the, the colors were actually breathing like that there was life. I could actually tell the difference between the blues and the greens, you know, and the reds which I cannot do in the natural today, but at that moment, I could. So, so everything, every sense is not just perfect. It, it's way beyond the best sight and smell and hearing on planet Earth. Is that fair to say? I would say that is perfectly way of saying it. Absolutely. That's exactly how I felt, completely. Okay, so you're up there. You're dazzled. Uh, you don't have a pain, a problem, a worry. You're flooded with the love of God. What happened next? I'm flooded with this joy, you know, because I'm seeing all these colors. They, I, there was life in them, and all of a sudden the scene changed again. This time I'm in another open room. Again, no walls, no buildings. But I heard a voice. I heard a voice that says, you've been granted to stand here and listen. And when I heard that, I saw Jesus and the Father. And they were standing like at an angle talking to one another. And knowing that I was granted permission, I just stood there and listened. And they talked about uh, the coming things to the body of Christ. They talked about the coming move to the body of Christ. They talked about the difficult hour that the earth was about to go through. Um, But they also talked about the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit that the church was yet to experience and that the earth would encounter through the the uh, cooperation and partnership of the Holy Spirit with the church. And so through that experience, I remember thinking this is really going to happen, and I may see it in my own, my own day. So I'm listening to this conversation about the, end, the urgency of the end times, the importance of being ready and, and being prepared, the importance of being a friend of the Holy Spirit and being connected with the Holy Spirit in order for these, for these things to take place. And one of the last things that I remember hearing in their conversation was when the father said to Jesus, it's time, son, go get your bride. And, you know, now... Well, that, that tells me that things are speeding up, I tell you. That, that's, how, that's exactly how I took it. I took it like... I, I'll tell you what, uh, some of the things that you experience, I can't wait to get into them uh, later on in this week. But uh, you have put together, based on this experience, uh, your brand new book, Encountered by God, and your five CD set that we may work the works of God, and the workbook uh, for the five CDs. Here's what I'm getting as I'm digesting your material America is on moving with roller coaster speed towards such moral decline that America's only chance, or the world's only chance, is to hear God and pray in cooperation with God's Spirit so that things will change for the better. But if this doesn't occur, and things are as bad as they appear they're going to be, if people can't hear God for themselves, can't cooperate in prayer with the Holy Spirit, what you have, this wonderful five-CD set that takes people step-by-step on how all of the gifts of the Spirit operate and how you can operate in them, but then the book Encountered by God will prepare people for what's coming. The entire package available for a gift of $45. 
Call our order only line 1 800 447 2697. 1 800 447 2697. Carlos, the experience that you had, uh, you're not Jewish. I happen to be Jewish. We're both believers in the Messiah. You're just doing what you're supposed to do because the Bible says that the Gentile believer in Jesus is to provoke the Jew to jealousy. I'm telling you, you did it with what happened to you. Uh, I'm going to take you back to that date, May 8th, 2005. Uh, you're asleep. It's 4 a.m. in the morning. And all of a sudden, you catch your spirit slipping out of your body because you see your wife, you, uh, just, you know, laying there right in the bed. Uh, and an angel was holding you up and you start rising up through the clouds uh, and you begin to really taken by the colors, especially since in the natural you're colorblind, but all your senses are being magnified. And then you move to another scene and you see Jesus talking to his Father, Father God. And what are they discussing? They're talking about the, um, the, the current condition of the body of Christ in the church. And the primary thing that I received out of that encounter as they were talking, you know, because I, I had heard a voice that said to me, You've been granted to stand here and listen. To, in, to listen. So I, I felt this peace that I could listen to this conversation. So I remember they didn't pay attention to me. It was almost like I wasn't there, but I was like a third party in this conversation. And so as I stood there, and I was maybe 10 feet away from them, as I stood there and listened, I, I began to really intently focus on their words. And they were talking about the condition of the earth, but they were also talking about... Um, the, the, where the church would be going, where the church was today, and the plans of God through the ministry of the Holy Spirit for the last great movement and the greatest harvest of souls. One of the things that I cl- clearly remember them talking about was um, how the greatest signs, wonders, and miracles were still yet to come that were, that were part of the last day generation, the last great move of the Spirit of God as a climax to the great outpouring of the Holy Spirit, because we're still in that great outpouring season. Now, now, most prophets uh, or people that are prophetic miss timing. But as I hear you share this, it sounds to me like we have a little bit of time to prepare before this great explosion of the Holy Spirit, or do you think it's already happened? I believe that, you know, I believe the, the way the Holy Spirit operates, he operates through preparation. He, he always has his messenger, several messengers that begin to prepare the church for what he wants to come. I call them forerunners. And I believe that we're at a stage, I mean, the Holy Spirit is always moving, he's always operating. I believe that we're living in a day and hour where the Holy Spirit is really beginning to, uh, to take it up a notch. And what I mean by that is that he really is preparing his, his forerunner messengers for the sole purpose of preparing the church to become the bride of Christ, which is the ultimate identification and the ultimate um, relational experience the body of Christ can encounter with Jesus, which is, of course, the intimacy between, a, between the bridegroom and the bride, which is the, uh, the, the, the church, the, uh, Christ and the church. I believe that's where we're at today, but I believe the Holy Spirit is definitely in operation. He's moving. I believe that we're at a very beginning stage of preparation, because the preparation to me really involves uh, 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 learning to live in the urgent hour that we're living in, not just living on yesterday's revelation, yesterday's manna, but I believe the Spirit of God is trying to awaken the church, primarily to return back to her first love, 
and fulfill the great commandment. I think we, as a church overall, we try to fulfill the second commandment, loving our neighbor, reaching souls, evangelism, without fulfilling the great commandment first. I believe the Holy Spirit is working overtime through messengers, encountering people, encountering men of God, women of God, those in ministry, those who are not in ministry, marketplace people, to become lovesick forerunners so that they can become like trumpeters, prophetic voices to awaken the church to say, Jesus is coming. We must return back to the first great commandment, walk in it, and as we do so, we will see the greatest manifestation of the power of God, the miraculous, and massive souls coming in because the Holy Spirit will be able to trust those servants who will not rape the church, nor take advantage of the body of Christ, nor take the glory for themselves, but they will give the glory to Christ. Uh, can you give me a sanctified uh, speculation of what these great miracles might look like that are about around the corner? Well, you know, I would say that I would say there's nothing new under the sun. So what I, what I would say is the miracles that are taking place worldwide you know, will take place in that day and hour. But what, what, I, what I sense and what I saw is a massive explosion where it would be in large masses, almost you know, it, it's, it's like the miracles of the book of Acts. So, right, well, well, Catherine Coleman prophesied that a day would come when a true believer would walk into a hospital and everyone in the hospital would be instantly healed. Is that the type of magnitude you're talking about? Yes, I, I, and, I'm, and, and I, I, the, way, the way I received it and I've been sensing it, it's not just those who are called to full-time. It's the average believer that would walk in fullness, the Stevens, uh, the Phillips. They were not the apostles. They were not part of the upper tier of leadership. But they were men and women of God who loved the Lord and gave him glory. And they walked in great anointing and great authority because they, of their connection with the Lord. I believe that's what the Holy Spirit intends to do. And he's going to use four. He's always going to have his forerunners. He's always going to have his men and women in place, the Catherine Coleman's, the Benny Hens, the Kenneth Hagins, the, the great men of today. He always will have them as provokers as sparkers, as foreigners, but the true mark of a foreigner is to invite the general body, not just the upper tier of leadership. I really believe that we, we are, the Holy Spirit is preparing the body for a massive sweep of God's power that will involve whosoever thirst, let him come. That's now, what I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do. Now, I have to ask you, what were the most terrifying words you heard in heaven? Well, in that encounter... At one point in their conversation between the Father and the Son, the Father looked at Jesus. It was, and this, this was near the end of that conversation, near the end of the encounter, when the Father said to Jesus, It's time, Son. Go get your bride. And Sid, the only way that I could explain how I felt at that time was the terror. It was like the terror. I, <clears throat> I didn't understand what the terror or the fear of the Lord was. But at that moment... I felt the terror and the fear of the Lord. It was like those words that he spoke. I could almost see them in my spirit, that those, those words were created, they, were, they formed like a ball of fire, and those, that word rolled towards me. And I, and I knew that the, this, this ball of fire was going to hit my inner man. And I remember when, it, when, it, when, the, when, the, when that word came and it hit my midsection, and I, I, I could tell that my body began to shake violently, and I knew that I was about to say something that I didn't want to say. And what came out of my lips, what came out of my mouth were these words that said, 
and I screamed it at the top of my lungs. I said, no, we are not ready. Why did you say that? You know, to be honest with you, I was shocked by what I said. I was really disturbed by what I said. As a matter of fact, when I came out of my encounter, um, I cried out. I said, oh, my God, my God, what was that? And I remember I was so disturbed by those words. I, don't want, I, I was shaken and was crying out loud. I don't want to wake my wife up. I realized it was 4 a.m. in the morning, so I go to another room in the house. I threw myself on the floor, and for two hours, Sid, all I can tell you is those words haunted me. No, we're not ready. No, we're not ready. They kept coming back to me, and I didn't understand why I said that. I, I, I said, Lord, am I not ready? What was that? Am I, is my life not ready? Am I not ready to meet you? Is my family not ready? Is my ministry not ready? Why would I say that? I don't understand, and for two hours... I cried out, show me, speak to me. So finally, at the end of that two hours of just stand, sitting before, laying before the Lord, I heard the, the gentle voice of the Holy Spirit that said, Son, if I took you home right now, you are ready to meet me for eternity. But in the condition your heart is in right now, you are not ready for the next great move of the Holy Spirit that I'm about to visit the earth with. And that's what put me in a seeking mode where I said, Lord, I don't know how to get ready. Teach me. Show me how to get ready. And that's what brought me to the place where we are today. Tell me just a few things that the Holy Spirit showed you to do personally to get ready. The first thing he, he showed me was through a, through a series of events and through, through me seeking the Lord about that. He says, Carlos, number one, you must return to your first love. And he reminded me of the church of Ephesus in the book of Revelation, how the church of Ephesus, they had great works. Sid, I can tell you, when I, had, when I was encountered by the Lord, our church was exploding. Our church was booming. We, had, we were a, a prosperous financial church. We were seeing souls left and right come to the kingdom, people getting healed miraculously. We had a thriving, lively church full of excitement. But then the Lord began to show me through this encounter, and as I, as I was seeking the Lord, he showed me, Carlos, you've grown comfortable. Yes, you love me. Yes, you seek me. But son, your heart does not burn for me the way it used to. And I'm looking for servants who will keep the first commandment the first thing, who will major in the major and not minor, not minor at it. They're going to seek me with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. Uh, Carlos, we're, we're out of time. Carlos, you're provoking me to so much jealousy to be able to listen to that kind of discussion. And then we discuss that many things you heard were actually downloaded into your spirit to be released at specific times. And a great deal of the teaching that, that you teach today comes from that. But you had an encounter shortly after that at an IHOP conference uh, where— all of a sudden, the presence of God was not just on you. It was all over that conference. But what happened? Well, you know, it was um, first time there at the IHOP Kansas City Conference. Didn't know what to expect. The only reason why I went there, sit in the first place, was because um, after my encounter, of course, I was seeking the Lord for direction and understanding what I was going through. One day I received a piece in the mail with an invitation to go to this end times prophetic conference. And all I can tell you is the word end times prophetic conference jumped out of that brochure. And I heard the voice of the Lord say, son, go there and I'll tell you what to do next. So that's, that, that's how I got there because the Lord says, if you go there, I'll tell you what to do next. I was in place of seeking, asking the Lord for understanding. So I get to Kansas City. 
And, you know, I've only felt this one other time where I, where, where, when I walked into the park, where I stepped onto the parking lot, I could feel this rush of glory and a beautiful presence of the Lord. And the first time I felt that was when I first went to Pastor Benny Hinn's service at the Alina Christian Center. I had never met Mike Bickle. I had never heard of the International House of Prayer. But it took me back to my experiences, to the glory and the presence of God in my early days as a young minister. So I remember sitting in that, in that conference and sitting near the back of the, of the congregation because I tried to get there early enough, but to my surprise, the place was already packed. And I could feel it's very, what I felt was very, very strange. I felt this incredible presence, but I knew it came out of a spirit of love intimacy and unity. Those are the three things that really popped out to me. I could tell that there was a great love for the Lord. There was a desire for the people to contend for intimacy. And, and, I, and I felt this unity, oneness, like the whole congregation, this whole massive group. There was about 3,000 people there. They were, they were running after the same thing. It was a spirit of agreement. That's what I was feeling. And I remember sitting in the back, you know, listening to the teaching and feeling the presence of the Lord. And then all of a sudden it was like, Something came upon me, and for literally for the, almost the entire service, I shook and just wept and wept. And I remember thinking to myself, you got to stop this. People are going to think you're crazy. But I just couldn't, couldn't, could, couldn't contain myself. And it was in that experience that I heard the Lord, the Lord gave me my next, my next set of instructions. The Lord said, son, I've encountered you because you've always been a person of intimacy. You've always loved me. You sought me. You've got a little distracted here and there, but Carlos, I'm bringing you back to your first love, number one. And then the Lord said this, I'm asking you, I want, I want to raise you up to be one of my end-time foreigners. Now, I, when I heard that, I had no clue what that meant. I just said, Lord, whatever that means, yes, I'll be a foreigner. But the Lord says, I want you to be one of my foreigners, and as a foreigner, I want you to shout it out. I want you to prepare my people. I want you to tell the church, wherever I open doors for you, and I believe that even right now, as I'm speaking to you and speaking to this audience, there are people who are hearing me and hearing my voice that I know that the Holy Spirit is provoking, provoking them and touching them because they want more than what they're currently experiencing. And I'm here to say that there is more. There is a lot more to the life of God. There's a lot more to our purpose and our destiny and our experience in God. But we've got to come back and do it His way. So in that encounter with the Lord, the Lord says, Carlos, I'm asking you to be one of my foreigners, and I'm asking you to prepare my church, prepare my bride. And he said this, my church is asleep, and she's not watchful, she's not looking for my return, and she's not ready. And then it made sense to me. Okay, that's what the Lord says. It's time. Go get your bride. I began to understand that I was a member not only of the church, not only am I a child, not only am I a son, not only am I part of the body of Christ, not only am I part of the church, but I'm also part of the bride of Christ. And there's different levels of intimacy, of relationship with God. I believe the highest level of intimacy is brideship, is that bridal identity. And the Lord began to show me, Carlos, my church has no clue what it is to be the part of the bride of Christ. And that, I believe, is the last end-time revelation that the Holy Spirit is going to reveal to the church is brideship, bridal identity, because the greatest relationship, the most intimate relationship on the face of the earth is between a man and a woman, a husband and a wife. That's the most intimate relationship. And Paul re correlates that he says, I speak in man's terms, but I'm really trying to give you a spiritual truth about Christ and the church. And in that encounter, the Lord was saying, my church is asleep. She's distracted. She's enjoying ministry, but she forgets that I am the ministry. Carlos, I am the ministry, and I'm returning my church 
back to her first love. And so I've been on a journey ever since then uh, and, 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 and seeking the Lord to establish once again the, uh, my, the, the, the great commandment of, of loving the Lord with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. Oh, and that's where we, we left off on yesterday's broadcast. Uh, you were downloaded a key heart issues to have the church ready for the next greatest move of God's Spirit. And and what you said in heaven, it came right out of your spirit, man. It is something you hadn't even premeditated. No, we're not ready. And, and you actually didn't even know what you were saying. But the church isn't ready. Uh, so you said there were key heart issues that, that uh, the Holy Spirit has told you to teach on. Uh, tell me what they are. Okay, the first one I would say is intimacy with the eternal Godhead. That's intimacy. That's returning back to our first commandment. Jesus made it very clear in Mark twelve thirty. He said, you shall. He didn't say you should. It's a good idea. It's a command. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And then he, and he qualified it by saying, this is the first commandment. And I believe what the Holy Spirit is doing more than anything, beyond the most more, more important than miracles, more important than the supernatural, more important than signs and wonders, is a church returning back to her first love. Because when we look at church history, when we look at the Bible, all of history and all of creation is about one thing. It's about a wedding. Creation began at a wedding in the book of Genesis. Jesus' first miracle in John chapter 2 was at the wedding of Cana of Galilee. And, the, and history as we know it in Revelation 22 ends with the Spirit of God saying, and the Spirit and the Bride. It doesn't say the Spirit and the Church. It says the Spirit and the Bride say come. So we see creation, the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and then the end of human history as we know before we go into the eternal kingdom, the millennial kingdom, is all about God and man becoming one. That's what consumes the heart of God, is intimacy with the Lord. Okay. I, I'm a pretty practical type of person. I'm listening to you, let's say, on the radio right now, uh, and I'm saying, yes, I want that intimacy, but can you give me some practical steps? What practical steps do you take for intimacy with the Lord, Carlos? For me personally, is I, I'm, I'm not allowing distractions or complacency to any, any longer distract me from, from time with the Lord. I mean, how do you spell, time, how you spell love? You spell love with time. And same thing with the Lord. The way, we, the way we grow in our love for Jesus and love for the Lord, is very, it's the same biblical disciplines we've been taught over and over again. Time with the Lord, prayer, worship, the Word of God. But it's making a priority in, my, in your life. For me, it's, for me, because of this encounter, I see the value of it. I see that I, I turned away from the Lord, you know, as far as my, my, the, my intimacy, my, lev, my level of love with the Lord. So what I've done is I've made it a priority. The first thing in my life that I desire to major in is I desire to be known as a lover of God. How I do that? I spend time with the Lord. Um, I, what, what is your prayer life like? I'm, I'm curious. Take, take me behind that, uh, that bedroom door with the doors closed, and what are you doing? I used, I used to ask that question as, you know, so-and-so, could you tell me about your prayer life? And one of the things I realized and I have found and I've understood is this. Prayer is not A, B, C, do, E, F, G, do this. I believe that there's some insights in God's Word. So here's, here's my prayer life. I begin my day. Um, I love beginning my day with the Psalms. So what I'll do is I'll take my Bible out, and I'll read a Psalm. I'll read a couple of Psalms. And then all of a sudden, a Psalm will hit me. 
something, and I will personalize it. So when David says, one thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek, you know, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. So I'll say, Lord, this is my desire. Give me the heart of David. And so I'll meditate on that. I'll communicate that. I'll commune with that. Because I believe the Psalms really are a revelation not only of, of, of man's heart cry for the Lord. I believe it's God downloading into the heart of the prime example of a lovesick believer in David who is known to be a man after God's own heart. I believe it was God downloading that in David so that we could have a written example how we can seek the Lord. And when we study the life of David, it's very simple. He just spent time with the Lord. He loved to worship the Lord. So I begin my day with reading the Psalms. I, I speak it out loud. And then as something hits me, I'll begin to meditate enough. For example, if, uh, if I'm, I'm, one thing have I asked of the Lord, and if I feel like the one thing portion of the Scripture hits me, I'll begin to pace around or I'll sit down, however, whatever I feel. There's no rules. I actually begin to say, Lord, make me a person. I'll tell you what, I'm fascinated hearing how the Holy Spirit has been training you to have that higher level of intimacy, but we're out of time right now. However, how would you like Carlos to be your personal trainer in the key heart issues that are going to revolutionize your walk, that you will not miss this visitation? I mean, do you want to be on the same roller coaster ride downhill? that you see going on in the world, uh, that you see in a seeker-sensitive church that doesn't have a clue about what we're talking about. I want to get his new book, Encountered by God, his workbook, and his five teaching CDs into your hands immediately for a gift of $45. Call or write today for the book, Encountered by God, the workbook, and the five teaching CDs on the Holy Spirit. Call our order-only line. 1-800-447-2697. 1-800-447-2697. Carlos uh, is a pastor. Uh, he's, uh, as a matter of fact, you didn't tell me a whole lot about uh, at your congregation, you, you have a, a facility. Is it open 24 hours a day for prayer? Well, we've been open right now. We started six years ago, and so we are currently doing 152 hours a week. There's 168 in, a, in a, any given week. So we're at 152, but we are, as a matter of fact, this is the most busiest this, uh, month we've ever experienced because we're getting ready right now to launch into 24-7 prayer next month, and we're really, really excited. So we've been we're in, a lot of, we're in a lot of planning, strategizing, getting ready to launch 24-7. And our belief is that we will be 24-7 with continual worship and continual prayer until Jesus comes back. Tell me about some of these amazing supernatural manifestations that are occurring in your prayer room. Uh, for, for instance, uh, tell me about the time that you heard loud music coming out as you were headed there. Well, that was actually um, the people who, the, the, um, our worship leaders that open up the 6 a.m. day, who start off the day. Um, they, uh, of course, because we're not open 24 hours a day, hours a day as of yet, so we normally close at midnight. So one morning, uh, I believe it was, it was a Monday morning, where these worship leaders, husband-wife team, who open up at 6 a.m. On, mon- on a Monday, they came and, uh, you know, the parking lot is empty, there's nobody, there's nobody there, they're the first ones there, but they hear this loud music, 
coming from the from inside the the prayer room, the sanctuary. Uh, they were they were puzzled by it. They were startled by it. They didn't know what to think. They were they weren't sure if they should go inside or not. But it was just they 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 said it was the most beautiful singing they had ever heard, and they were wondering who is in there. What worship team is is actually doing this set right now? They were it was supposed to be closed, and they were really bewildered because there was no lights on in the building. So they opened the building anyway. They turned the alarm off, and the moment they opened the door and turned the alarm off. The singing completely stopped. The music stopped. Who, who was in the prayer room? It was angels. Because the, there was no computer. There was no CD. There was no DVD. The, the alarm was on. There was nobody in there. And so we began to, you know, as, as, as we began to, we like to word it this way, as we began to build a portal for the Lord, we were actually giving permission, like Jesus said, you know, from this day, from, from now on, you will see angels descend and ascend upon the Son of Man. So wherever Jesus is exalted, you create a portal for the angelic activity and for heaven and earth to meet. And so we began to all of a sudden uh, have these angelic encounters. We had testimony. The beautiful thing is it was staff members that were saying, we've never seen anything like this. What's going on? We began to also have smells. We could smell different kind of aromas. We could smell the presence of the Lord that would begin to just fill the atmosphere. And so these encounters became um, almost like a sign to us that the presence of the Lord is not only there, but he is taking great pleasure in this place of continual night and day prayer and night and day worship that's taking place here. Well, what did, have reports have you heard about angelic activity in, the, in your prayer room? Uh, have people seen them? What are the angels doing? Well, for example, one of the most recent reports we had was not too long ago. Actually, my wife is part of the uh, one of the worship teams, and the way we the way it, the way the prayer room operates, we have it. It's a full band with intercessors who are part of the team, and so we normally have like a two-hour cycle is uh, thirty minutes of praise and worship, and thirty minutes of intercession. We go back into worship for about thirty twenty minutes, and then another twenty minutes of intercession, and then we transition to the next cycle. Well, in one of the cycles that we were transitioning from from worship, about to go into intercession, all of a sudden she saw a flash, and her eyes were opened, and as the intercessor began to pray and agree with the music, because we actually flow together with, um, we call it harp and bowl, the worship and the intercession works together. It's a really unique concept, but anyway, as that was taking place, as the singers began to agree with the intercessor, she saw an angel that was standing right on the middle of the platform, and the angel was like violently moving its arm, like like if it had a sword in its hand. And it was it was an exact uh, um, uh, uh, coordination with the intercessor. So the intercessor was actually moving his arms as if striking the ground, striking the atmosphere as as as, as she was praying. And my wife said it was, it was very interesting that as the intercessor was moving, the same movement was being done by the angelic being that was there on the platform. And, and it, she's not the only one that's seen this. We've had other worship leaders seeing angels in the room that they're actually sitting among the crowd in the congregation, in the prayer room, with their hands raised, worshiping Jesus, exalting Jesus. Because that really is a true nature of the spirit of prophecy. The spirit of prophecy is, you know, is the worship and the exaltation of Jesus. And so we've seen over and over again people smelling, uh, smelling fragrances of the supernatural, angels worshiping, angels interceding, angels agreeing with the prayers that are being offered up here in the house of prayer. Now, you believe 
that it is actually a partnership between man and God that is released through prayer that can actually change a family, change a a school, change a city, uh, even change the United States. What changes have you seen in Orlando where you're located? Well, as a matter of fact, I was just looking at an article just the other day about the crime rate, and we're beginning to see the crime rate uh, in Central Florida begin to drop on a regular basis. And even in the area that we live, we live in a, uh, on the west side of the city of Orlando, we're beginning to see things be exposed. For example, we've had reports even as of recently where uh, human trafficking rings all of a sudden are supernaturally exposed. And we had over 81 women and children rescued. And it's not a coincidence that we had just spent like three days of prayer and fasting. We felt an urgency of the Lord to focus on the issue of human trafficking. And so we as a staff, as a team, we we briefed about it, and we said, okay, we're going to pray and fast for the next couple of days. And at the same time, we had a very good friend who runs a ministry here in the Orlando area who was uh, going to bring awareness to human trafficking. So between the two of us, as he was out there ministering in the streets, we were interceding and praying, covering him in prayer. And then all of a sudden, we get reports from the East Coast where a, a, a hitting uh, ring of human traffickers was suddenly exposed, and it was one of the largest on the east coast of, of Florida, and that over 81 victims were rescued. We've seen that before. We have seen the police department uh, speak to us and say, hey, your prayers are working. Would you please partner with us? And so The police department has actually said that to you? Yes. I, as a matter of fact, about two months ago, I had a meeting with the chief of police uh, to partner and to discuss how we can um, because they, they, they said to us, we know that there is human trafficking happening in these areas, and we need to be able to see it exposed. So your, your, your partnership in prayer will go a long way. So we've agreed with the local police department here in our city to cover them in prayer, and so every so often we will have co- communication with them so that we can see exactly how we can continue to pray for the police. Because I truly believe that the Holy Spirit has given the, the authority to govern the earth to the church. In the absence of Jesus, the... Uh, you know, when I watch the news and I see the, the, the stuff going on between political parties and it's Congress and the Senate, and they're just bogged down. And, and I'll tell you what, if there wasn't hope in the invisible realm, their flat would be no hope for America. Absolutely. There'd be no hope. And that's why the hope has to be the church. And that's why I go back to, like we were talking in a previous program, we've got to go back to returning to our first love. Okay, we were talking about uh, the Holy Spirit taught you that there are three major key heart issues. The first was going back to your first love and developing intimacy. And I asked you about how you, how, how you prayed. But uh, because of time, what is the second key heart issue? The second key heart issue that the Lord began to reveal to me was that we must, if, if we're going to be lovesick believers and enjoy the presence of the Lord, we cannot do so a part of the character of Christ. And so, you know, one of the things that we focus here at our ministry and we seek to really instill in the hearts of believers is the Sermon on the Mount lifestyle, returning back not only to our first love, but to living like Christ. Uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. I, we, we call around here, and especially in, house, in the circles of houses of prayer, we call Matthew 5, 6, and 7 as the constitution of the kingdom of God. Just like the U.S. government's got the, the constitution and you know the, the independence and things of that nature, we believe that the way the church can 
be the freest she can be and walk in the fullness of her of her destiny and calling is if we live Matthew 5, 6, and 7. We walk in the humility of Christ. I believe the Spirit of God, there'll be no limits to how much He can trust us. One of the reasons why this, the church is very untrustworthy with power is because we corrupt ourselves with power. The greater the anointing, the greater the temptation upon individuals, upon in the ministries, uh, on, on ministries to take the glory for themselves. And so the, I word it by saying it, we prostitute the anointing. It's kind of like James and John. You know, Jesus, do you want us to call down fire because they would not allow us to walk through Samaria? And Jesus says, you don't know what manner of spirit you speak from. But we know in Scripture that Elijah called fire down from heaven to consume people. Why could Elijah do it? Why not James and John? The difference is character. The difference is the disposition of the heart. The value of character, the character of Christ. When we, don't, when we don't have that character established and Jesus becomes everything in our lives, we corrupt ourselves with power. We corrupt ourselves with the anointing. And what was the third key heart issue? The third key heart issue, I believe, is to be in a place of expectancy. I believe that the church at this moment is not living in a place of urgency. We are living pretty much, we're surviving on pretty much uh, the success of ministry, and so the Holy Spirit began to reveal to us that, son, over and over again in the Gospels, I said, watch therefore, be alert. You know, when you see this happen, wake up. And and then, and then Paul's writings as well. I, I'll tell you what, we're, we're out of time. My guest... Carlos Sarmiento is red hot for the Messiah. And as a matter of fact, uh, if someone had asked you before you had your heavenly encounter, Carlos, if you were red hot for the Messiah, you probably would have said yes. But what's the difference between where you are today and before that encounter? You're right. I would have definitely said yes, especially because uh, of the, my background in ministry and you know, operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I would say that the difference today between now and then is this, that the Spirit of God still operates through me, the anointing is still there, um, but I would say it's my, my, um, my motives, the, my, the, the things that I emphasize the most, the things that I value the most, which I seek to make sure that they are the things that Jesus values. It's, going, it's basically, I've returned back to for my first ministry. And so rather than just focusing on having a successful church, rather than strategizing and trying to build the ministry to, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that, but, you know, when I was making the ministry the main emphasis of ministry, I was seeking to strategize, build the church, build the ministry through strategies, human means, and at the point to the, uh, that I was, I was uh, losing that fire, my, that passion of, of making the Lord the number one goal of ministry. And so I would say that I have returned to Revelations 1-6, when Jesus says, not only are you a king, but primarily you're a priest. And so I've returned to my priesthood calling, which is to minister to him first and foremost before I focus on ministering to people at large. Now, you're, you have been commissioned to be a forerunner of this next great move of God's Spirit like the world has never seen before. And like uh, you've, you've found out in heaven, not only are most people not prepared for it, you're not prepared for it. Have you been able to reproduce yourself, so to speak, through teaching, uh, such as 
your new book, Encountered by God, and the workbook, and the five-CD series called That We May Work the Works of God. What have you seen with the people you've been pouring yourself into? Well, I have seen people that were burnt out, people that were faithful. They were um, very faithful in ministry, very faithful to their tasks that were assigned to them, their, you know, their ministry responsibilities, and they were doing out of loyalty. But I've seen them come alive where you know, not much has changed as far as what they're doing, but they're doing it with passion, with zeal and fire. And again, the reason has been because they've made the Lord the ministry. They seek him first. It's out of a level of closeness, walking. It's kind of what Adam, you know, the Lord says to Adam, where are you? Adam, God walked in the, in the cool of the day, in the day of the cool of the garden. So he walked with Adam for the purpose of encountering Adam. And I think we're, we're, we're beginning to see people return back to that relationship where the Lord is, the Lord is fun. He's enjoyable. They enjoy the presence of the Lord. And so we have a, we have a sense of the presence of the Lord part of our daily lives. It's, we don't do ministry we don't seek the Lord to do ministry. We seek the Lord to encounter Him, to, for Him to transform our lives. All right. What would you What would you say to someone that would say, uh, "I'm more of an action person. Uh, I'm glad there are people called by God to be intercessors and pray, 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 pray." But I'm an action person. That's just not my calling. What would you say to them? I would say that Jesus made it very, very clear. He says, "It is written, my Father's house." And I believe that means every one of us in the body of Christ, my Father's house is called to be a house of prayer. Now, he didn't say a house of intercession or a house of spiritual warfare. He says, every, he says it is written, my Father's house is called a house of prayer. And I would say to that individual that the gifting that God has given you, go for it. God expects you to use your gift. If you're an action person, if you're an administrator, if you are a signs and wonders guy, go for it. God expects you to be faithful and be a good steward of the manifold grace and gift of God. But I would say that the foundation of your gifting, the foundation of your administrative gift, the foundation of your giving gift, the foundation of whatever it is, has to be rooted in a life of loving God and seeking God. To me, prayer, I think people have the wrong, wrong, wrong impression of prayer. They, they lump prayer with intercession, you know, toiling and laboring. No, prayer is worship as well. Prayer is spending time with the Lord. Prayer is returning back to our first love. Prayer actually is what, you know, of, of all the things that disciples could have asked Jesus, they asked Jesus in Luke chapter 11, he says, he says, Lord, can you teach us how to pray. Now, if I, was, if, I would, if I could have asked Jesus anything, I probably would have said, Lord, can you teach me how to cast out devils the way you do? Teach me how to walk on the water. Teach me to do the miracles you do. But there was something about Jesus' intimacy with the Father that these men that were around him recognized, and they chose to ask him, can you teach us how to pray? Because they, they connected. Hey, they connected the power of God, the glory of God, to his life of prayer and intimacy. And so I would say if Jesus was a man dependent upon the presence of the Father and a life and a man dependent on prayer, how much more do we need to be dependent on prayer today? And so I would say every one of us are called to prayer. Every one of us can intercede, but I so, but and at the same time focus on your gift, focus on your active work, focus on the on the duty that God has called you to do. Uh, would you almost call it an end time deception of not cultivating intimacy with the Lord above anything and everything you're doing for the Lord? 
Absolutely, because Jesus said in, in Luke chapter 21, verse 34 and 36, he said, take heed to yourselves. And he says this in the context of the end time scenario. He says, take heed to yourself. Watch out. Lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life. And then he says, and that day come upon you unexpectedly. He says, for it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things and to be able to stand before the Son of Man. So it is, to me, the largest deception in, the, in, in, in modern-day Christianity is that we feel like we have to be so busy. I call it, I call it Wall Street Christianity, where we feel like we have to be, we have to be successful. To, to, be, we, to be successful, we have to have a ministry this big. We've got to have this. We've got to have all the, all the lights and all the whistles. When in reality, the greatest successful ministry is to know him. So to me, without a question, without a doubt, I believe the end-time church is a church that could easily walk in deception, but at the same time, she's got the greatest potential for glory, the greatest potential for power, because it's clearly in Scripture we see that the end-time church is a church that is walking with the Lord intimately, a partner with God. Pretty much similar, I, look, I, say, I, I compare it to you know, when, when Moses released the power of God, the judgments on Egypt. I believe that the end-time church will be in partnership with prayer and intercession to release judgments and to release glory and to release power on the earth that will usher in the last great movement and also usher in the greatest harvest of souls the earth has ever seen. I, I, I don't know that I've heard too many people say part of the job of the end time church is to usher in judgment. What do you mean by that? Well, what I mean, what I mean by that is, you know, I personally believe that there will be a people on the earth uh, when when things go bananas, things go crazy, when the Antichrist is here. So I personally believe— Which isn't too far removed, but go ahead. Yeah, so it's not too—exactly. So I personally believe that there will be a church here in that day on the earth that will be in cooperation with the Lord, because throughout church history and throughout the Bible, God does not—God always uses a man to be his instrument, to be his partner, to release with a blessing or judgment. And so I really, I personally believe that the end time church will be a partner with God to be able to be the forerunner communicators to bring about the kingdom of God and usher in a people prepared for the Lord. And so I personally believe that the judgments in the book of Revelation are judgments that God releases through his people, through his body. And I believe there's scriptures that will back that up. Okay, I want you to take Carlos home with you. His job as a forerunner is to equip you to be ready to fulfill your destiny. And that's why his brand new book, just literally off the press, Encountered by God, the workbook, and the five CDs we're making available. I mean, it'll equip you step by step to be in position to walk in the gifts of the Spirit, to have intimacy with God, to be the head and not the tail in your family. We're making this all available for a gift of $45. Carlos, very quickly, I need you to pray for people. There's such a strong anointing. Whatever God tells you to pray, pray. I just want to encourage those who are listening to me right now and listen to this program. The Lord has a great plan for each and every one of us, but it begins once again by understanding God's divine purpose for us. He says in the book of Revelation 19, his wife has made herself ready, and it was granted to her to be arrayed in fine linen. I believe that the Lord 
is looking for people to be ready. And it begins by just asking the Lord, Lord, come into my life, touch my heart afresh, make me your lovesick believer. I want to love you the way you want me to love you. I want to love you the way I've been called and destined to be. So I encourage you, if you're weary in ministry, if you don't know the Lord, number one, the Lord loves you unconditionally. His grace is upon your life even right now. And I believe that there's many that are hearing the sound of my voice right now that you feel discouraged, you're tired, you know the Lord, but you know there's so much more. I would encourage you to say, Jesus, come into my heart again, touch me afresh, introduce me to this walk of intimacy that Carlos has been talking about. I desire that. And if you will do that, you will see that the Lord will begin to open up truth in your heart and begin to open up new avenues and new ways of encountering. I would say to you, ask the Lord, like he encountered me, say, Lord, would you encounter my heart? Ask the Lord, I want to be ready. I want to be used. Father, I pray for all those listening right now in the mighty name of your son, Jesus Christ. Spirit of God, I'm asking, I sense right now to really pray for, for to, to release visions, release dreams, release angelic encounters. Father, we don't seek these things, but we have a right to ask for encounters. In the name of Jesus, release angelic encounters, release heavenly dreams, God, release visions, O oh Lord, that will take us out of the rut and take us, Lord God, to where you would have us to be, that we can walk in the fullness of all that you have for us. This I pray, God, and I thank you and I praise you right now in Jesus' name. And, and pain and arthritis in fingers, <laughs> you're healed in Jesus' name. To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.com. Org. That's www.sidroth.org. To receive a complimentary copy of our bi-monthly teaching newsletter, materials catalog, or information about becoming Mishpucha or Chalitzim, write to me, Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. To place a credit card order, call anytime. 1-800-447-2697. For all other calls, the number is 704-943-6500. That's 704-943-6500. For a CD of this week's broadcast, send a donation to Sid Roth. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina. 28278.